Hey, this is Jerry Aiken, pastor at Pierce Chapel in Columbus, Georgia. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast, wherever you may be. I hope that you find the word presented here engaging, informative, and challenging in your walk with Christ. Please check us out online at piercechapel.com. The passage today comes from the first chapter in the Bible. Genesis 1, this is verse 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humans in his image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, we started this uh, sermon series on the heart principles. Uh, If you've been at Pierce Chapel for any length of time, these probably sound familiar to you. We say them at the beginning of our business meetings and at the beginning of uh, certain Bible studies. They've just become sort of ingrained in who we are as a congregation. And um, so I thought, you know, it'd be a good thing to really research these heart principles because if if the goal for for Pierce Chapel is to live out uh, our mission to develop as mature disciples, then maybe we should look at the things that we say, the things that we claim, the the traditions that we have, and see uh, how are those helping us do that. And so I'll be honest, there was a a part of me that was really curious about the heart principles because I had heard them uh, spoken at the South Georgia Conference before. And I knew that a lot of churches were using them in their meetings. But uh, where did they come from? And are they biblical? And, uh, you know, how do they point us towards uh, uh, holy living and and towards sanctification? So we started uh, this series a few weeks ago, and this week we're we're on the third principle. Uh, But before we go any further, I'd like to have you uh, say the heart principles with me. Hear and understand me. Even if you disagree, please don't make me wrong. Acknowledge that I am a beloved child of God. Remember to look for my loving intentions. Tell me the truth with compassion. So these principles are something that we we try to guide our behavior by. Um, But when I started looking at where they came from, I realized that these are not uh, from the church at all. They're, they're not from the Bible. They're not from any Christian leader. These heart principles were actually developed by the Atlanta Consulting Group as a, um, as a way to encourage team building and, and strengthen morale within the workplace. So they were first written in this book called Managing from the Heart. And, um, and of course, the idea behind them, like I said, is to build morale 
that's not necessarily the goal of the church. It's a great byproduct. We want to have good morale in the church, but we're not thinking about organizational health necessarily when we say these heart principles. We're trying to live out the mission of Christ. We're trying to grow within us the character of Christ and share that with each other. So you may notice that some of these, um, these heart principles are, are slightly different the way we say them from, from how they are in the book, how they appear in the book. And the one we're talking about today especially, it says, acknowledge the greatness within me. That, that's the original heart principle. Acknowledge the greatness within me. But of course, we say, acknowledge that I'm a beloved child of God. Now, you may notice that this sermon is called, Acknowledge That I'm a Child of God. And you may wonder why I left that word out. It's because I was trying to save room on the bulletin. (laughs) I knew some of y'all say beloved and some of you say beloved, and I didn't want to come across as implying one's better than the other. I'm just kidding. I'm team beloved all the way. Um, But we acknowledge we're a beloved child of God, and that's different than saying acknowledge the greatness within me. Because the world's idea of greatness is very different than what our idea of greatness should be. The world tells us that greatness hinges on success and on uh, usefulness and on talent and on charm and all of these things. The world sets the standard for us and, and... tries to kind of inspire us. You all have greatness within you. you. You all can achieve this thing, whatever greatness is. You can pull yourself up by the bootstraps and, and achieve it because it's within you. That power is within you. And the world gives us that message. And it can be a very inspirational message at times. And there's circumstances where it may pay off for us. But again, the world's idea of greatness is not our idea of greatness. The world's idea of greatness centers on the self, on accomplishment, achievement, success. Our idea of greatness is looking at God and saying, that's it. That's what we're in pursuit of. So when we acknowledge something in ourselves that we are a beloved child of God, we're not focusing on ourselves and our own greatness. We are giving glory back to the creator, giving glory back to the God who made us unique. And if done correctly, that's what the church is. A church is a reflection of God's character in a much bigger way than what any of us can do just on our own. Because if the church is really being the church, we are living out God's character in the world. And God can be seen in each of us. And we can see God in each other. There's a lot of uh, familial language used in the church. We talk about brothers and sisters in Christ. A church that I served before here, we, we used to sing the song, I'm so glad I'm part of the family of God. This is nothing new. And this is biblical. When you go back to the very beginning, when you go back to Jesus talking to his disciples and he taught them how to pray, he said, our father. That's how he began the prayer. Our meaning community, our shared identity that we have together and father recognizing God as the source, the protector, the defender, the provider. 
our Father. And in that, that, those first two words of the prayer, God pulls us, Jesus pulls us into the family of God. And then the early church also talked about um, the, the, the nature of the church itself. The, the early teachers and instructors, the early doctors of the church, such as Tertullian and Cyprian, used to refer to the church itself as kind of a mother. That the congregation comes together to be nurtured, to be loved, and to be fostered and shaped in some way. And so we understand that you know, God the Father is, is over us, and the church acts as this nurturing mother to, to raise us. And so it's no wonder then that we call each other brothers and sisters in Christ. Now, if we are part of the same family, we should share some traits, right? We should certainly share traits with God. Have you ever known one of those, those families, and maybe you're in one of those families, where it's kind of a, a big family and, and every single person looks like a little bit like each other? And you see somebody, and you're not sure which one that is. I don't know if that's John or if that's James, but I can tell that they're a, you know, a whatever. You know that they're from that family. And for some reason, even the, the husband and wife kind of look like each other. They, they have like this, this genetic connection all to each other. You can see those traits. Well, that's what the family of God should look like. That's what the church should be, where when people see us, they say, oh, I recognize that. I've seen that same love, that same desire for compassion, that same uh, hunger for truth, that same spiritual whatever. I can't put my finger on it, but I've seen that before over here in this person. And really all we're doing is we're reflecting the nature of God. That's our testimony. That's who we are. That's how the world knows what the family of God actually is. And every one of us are made to reflect that. This scripture that I read, like I said, is from the very first chapter in the Bible. Now, how many of you have ever started? I'm not saying you finished. How many of you have ever started a Read the Bible Through the Year program? A lot of you. Now, no matter how badly you failed at that, if you did it for one day, you read this part. (laughs) This, This one One chapter right at the very beginning says God created us in his image. We call that the Imago Dei. That's that's Latin means the image of God. And it means that everything that was created was was created by him and for him. The verses in Colossians where Paul is talking to the church and says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Meaning God's fingerprints are on everything that has been created. You were created by a very creative creator. And you were created to bear the image, the likeness of that creator. Which means, in some way, you too are creative. You could be sitting there thinking, not not me, I don't have an artistic bone in my body. But that's not necessarily what creativity means. God has made all of us capable of expressing something through our gifts, our talents, our traits. 
At our Monday morning staff meetings, I, I often ask the staff, I'll go around the table and say, where do you feel creative? And some of them will say, you know, this week I don't feel creative. I feel stuck. And then we kind of brainstorm how we can help that person get unstuck. And there's nothing wrong with that answer. In fact, that answer is kind of encouraged sometimes. The one answer I don't like is when they say, oh, I'm not creative. Yes, you were created to bear the image of the creator. And that looks wildly different for all of us. Because God has so many, so many talents and expressions for himself. Look at the sunrise. The sunrise is beautiful. All the different colors that come together just blend together, and everyone's unique. I mean, if you've ever watched the sunrise, you, you notice they all look different, but they're all beautiful in their own way. And this shows us the heart of God, just like when you hear a moving song, it tells you about something about the person who wrote it. Or when you see a beautiful painting, it tells you something about the person who painted it. The sunrise shows the beauty, the magnificence, the artistic creativity of our God. But the same God who did that is the same God who designed DNA and RNA that we can't even see. Minuscule, subatomic. It's, it's so small we can't see it, but yet it's in perfect order. And it's coded, and there's, there's this order and, and this process to it. Maybe you're the creative type that can express your emotions and your feelings through some sort of medium. Or maybe you're the type of person that, that you, you depend on order and, and you can fix things in place. No matter which side you fall on there, you are a reflection of God's creativity. God created you to reflect himself to the world. And not just through his traits, not, or through his talents, but through his traits. And that's what the church is, coming together and saying, God has gifted me in this way. God has graced me in this way. God has given me this talent. How can I use that in a way that displays God's character and God's love and God's truth and God's mercy and God's justice? How can I use what God has equipped me with to point people back to God? That's what the church is. And that's why we do things like talk about spiritual gifts and we give spiritual assessments. It's because we want you to see that you were made by God in order to reflect God to the world. But here's where it gets tough. It's one thing to recognize that about ourselves. How do we recognize that in each other? How well do we do at recognizing that in each other? As I said, God is the creator of things seen and unseen. God himself is often unseen. God is invisible. So how do we see an invisible God? We see the invisible God through his handiwork. And that includes the people around you right now. We were all made in the image of the invisible God. Are we able to see that? Are we able to look for him? There's a difficult truth about how we understand the heart principles. I think it's very easy for us to hear them and say them 
from a very self-motivated place. If, if you look at the heart principles just themselves and you think about it, you can be very selfish with this. Hear and understand me. Even if you disagree, don't make me wrong. Acknowledge the greatness in me. Tell me the truth with compassion. Look for my loving intentions. You, you see, we, we can make this about ourselves, but my hope is that when we say them, when we commit to them, we're not listening to our own voice as we say them. We're listening to the voices of those around us. So it becomes hear and understand the other. Even if you disagree, don't make them wrong. Acknowledge that the person next to you, across from you, behind you, is a beloved child of God. When we do that, we start to understand the heart principles can be pretty difficult to live by. But we have to open ourselves up to each other because that's what God calls us to do. That's what God longs for us to do, for us to recognize that every single person he created was uniquely, fearfully, wonderfully made by him. And God is capable of using and speaking through anybody that you encounter in your life. But you have to be open to it. So I'm going to do something now that this might make you uncomfortable, and, and I'm sorry if it does. But just sit in, seated right where you are. Close your eyes for a second. And without thinking too deeply about this, without going through your whole catalog of who you know and your life history or anything, just this is just reactionary. Just whoever comes to your mind first. Think of someone that you find it hard to love. It could be somebody that's wronged you in some way. It could be somebody who um, has, has caused deep damage in your life. It could be somebody who just always has something to say back to you that you don't like. Who knows the reason? Maybe there's no good reason. But hold that person in your mind right now. Somebody that you find challenging to love. And then in your heart, say this prayer with me. Lord, help me to love them as you love them. Bless that person. Show mercy and compassion to that person, even though I don't always think that they deserve it. Soften my heart, Lord, to see them the way that you see them. Okay, you, you can open your eyes. I want us all to take that with us today. Take that into the week. Take that into the season of Lent. Make that one of your things you pray about during your fast, whatever. But, but take that with you. Because it's not as easy as just saying a, a quick prayer or listening to me say a quick prayer. It's going to take work. It's going to take conditioning the heart. To be able to say, Lord, I'm having difficulty with this person. I'm struggling to see that they are a child of God. Help me, Lord, to see them how you see them. Because ultimately, that reflects the condition of our own heart. I'm going to leave you with this quote from Mother Teresa. This is one of the most difficult things that, uh, that she probably ever said, at least in my opinion, she said, a clean heart can see God, can speak to God, and can see the love of God in others. 
And when you first hear that, that just sounds very pleasant, very sweet, very inspirational. But let that pierce your heart for a second. Think about that deeply for a moment. If you're struggling to see God, if you're struggling to speak to God, if you're struggling to see the love of God in others, it's not God's fault. And it's not somebody else's fault. It's an indictment on your own heart's condition. A clean heart can see God. A clean heart can speak to God. And a clean heart can see the love of God and others. So may that be the challenge we live into. Because understanding ourselves as children of God is only the first part of the discipleship process. Understanding our fellow brother or sister as part of the Imago Dei, the image of God, is the only way that we can truly love each other the way God calls us to. To be able to say, I love you, not because I agree with you, and not because it benefits me, and not because you're charming or you're successful or you're talented, but simply because God formed you uniquely wonderfully, fearfully made as part of his own image. To be able to say that is the only way that we can truly love each other the way God loves. And to be able to come to that and make that our hope, to make that our desire, that's part of that prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Please pray with me. Lord, you know how difficult it is for us to show love to everyone. There, there are some people it just comes easy for. And then there are other people where it is very challenging and sometimes rightly so. Maybe we've been hurt, we've been wounded by the words, the actions, the abuse of others. And we struggle with trying to love them anyway. Remind us, Lord, as we are on this Lenten journey, that as you hung on the cross, as your son Jesus hung on the cross, he looked at the crowd that had, that had yelled, crucify him. And he said, forgive them, Father. Lord, remind us that in all the ways that we rebel against you and all the ways we act out against your will and against your love, you continue to forgive us. You continue to love us. You continue to see us as your children that have been created in your image. And love, let, Lord, let that love transform us from the inside so that we can, we can turn to each other and share that love, that forgiveness, that mercy, mercy that we didn't deserve, but you show us anyway. Allow us to share that with each other in a way that when people look at us, when they look at the church, they say, there is the image of God. There is God alive and well working in this world. Let it be known, let it be seen because they see it in us. May we resemble, may we reflect your perfect character to each other and to this world. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. 
Thank you again for tuning in to our podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and check us out online at piercechapel.com. And now may you know the peace, the power, and the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Go to love, go to serve, go in peace. Amen.